2: This episode of No Credentials Required is brought to you by Hoff & Pepper Hot Sauce. Handcrafted with farm-fresh jalapenos and habaneros, Hoff's original Hoff Sauce has gone on to win numerous awards and gain international recognition. Hoff & Pepper always strives to create sauces and seasonings that enhance flavors with balanced heat profiles. Every one of their handmade products is manufactured in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and is naturally vegan and gluten-free. Shop today at HoffAndPepper.com, and when you enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout, you'll save 10% off your purchase this is no credentials required powered by belly up sports and a part of the belly up sports podcast network here are your hosts Corey mansfield and ryan mccarthy Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Credentials Required. We are powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, the ever effervescent Mr. Corey Mansfield. Corey, how are we doing tonight?
1: You know, Ryan, I'm doing well, but I'm trying to get some of these photos off my phone. And, you know, it's going way back, way back. I can't get them off my phone. (laughs) How far back? Uh, Like five years, some reporter, something happened. I don't know. I'm trying to get off my phone.
2: Oh geez. Oh jeez! You're not being you're not being you're not being tracked by any some, any kind of agency, are
1: you? I I don't know, yet. I don't know. Hopefully, in the future, I mean, geez. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, actually, before we go into our topics tonight, Corey, you recently had uh, an experience that I had a few months ago. Uh, you finally went to Duck Donuts. How was your experience there?
1: So, Duck Donuts was interesting. So, I I, I took the 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 plunge into the the duck water or whatever went over there um i was smart enough to do the uh online ordering which huh. um you know you go in you just it was really easy you just pick what you want what we wanted on them um, we didn't go with a dozen went with a half dozen you know two for mm. me two for my son one for my wife one for my daughter pretty much how it went uh so i drove up the latham which is like 10 minutes up the road from my house uh parked walked up the line was out the door. But I was like, I got, I got, you know, online ordering. I'm not going to wait in this line. Mm-hmm. So I went in and just walked right in. And the it must have been the owner who's open, you know, prepping boxes was like, oh, you're for an online order. And I said, yeah. And I, he goes, oh, here's your order and gave it to me. I walked out. Meanwhile, there's like 20 people in line. And I'm saying. Why aren't these people just ordering online and then just walking in and get the donuts? It's not like you don't know what buttercream is or right. sprinkles. Like do yeah. you have to see it to be able
2: to order it. No. Sometimes some, some people want that experience, though. I mean, I, I know they didn't have online ordering right away. So that must have kicked in, in the, during the new year. Uh, yeah. But other, other than the online ordering experience and getting in and out of line, uh, were you impressed by the donuts? Because I'm a fan myself. Uh, but what, what, were, what was your experience like, like just having the donut itself? What was your uh, what was your impressions? I was trying to remember what I ordered. I know I have the order on my phone, but the I, when I got them,
1: I thought they were going to be really light. I was like, oh, these are kind of light. They're not going to fill me up. But then when you take a bite out of them, they're really dense, denser mm-hmm. than you think they are. Yeah. Um, fresh made I mean, donuts are like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were, you know, you look about $2 a donut. Was it worth it? Yeah, I think it was worth it. I mean, you go to a convenience store, you're going to pay, you know, two for $3 for, you know, some, you know, ones that are made and probably frozen. And so, I mean, it was, they were good. I mean, the toppings were really good. The weird part about it was, and what, which, you know, me being, you know, uh, uh, I have a sweet tooth uh, after I opened the box up. And you and you look at all the all the the toppings are underneath the donuts. They've all fallen through the hole. So when you eat the mm-hmm. donuts, all these toppings are left under, like this residue of all these toppings. And you can just like it's like, you know, licking the bottom of like the the batter at the end of cake. It's like you got all these like toppings that are just there and you just lick the whole box clean. So uh I you know, I liked them. Um is it something I would go to every week? Probably not. Maybe once every couple months, I'd just swing in there. But yeah, they were good. They were definitely good. Awesome.
2: Um, you know, um, the one, I did see the picture on on your Facebook page. So the one disappointment I had was that you did not have the maple bacon.
1: Ryan, like I said before, somebody just got elected president. They were inaugurated today. I can't do a maple bacon donut. It just, I can't handle that much.
2: I just can't handle it. Oh, man. It's life. It's life. Cha- I'm just gonna say it's, it's It's next to Jesus. The maple bacon donut at Duck Donuts is it's, it's life changing. So just want to prepare you for that in case you do have it sometime in the future when I, I go th- back for another donut. I,
1: I, I promise the next
2: time I go to Duck Donuts, I will try it. Awesome, awesome. All right, so folks, we got ourselves a a, a, a pack show tonight. Uh, first off, we're gonna do. First thing we're gonna do is talk about the NHL. Uh, NHL had the season opener last uh, last Wednesday. As we record, it is Wednesday night. We got, <clears throat> excuse me, we got a little bit of uh, uh, life got in the way a little bit, but uh, you know we're always re- looking to record. And NHL started last week. Uh, I was super happy that that uh, the season started. We have a season. It's a couple of hiccups right now with uh, a couple of teams, but overall, you know, I'm impressed with the hockey. Corey, have you have you got a chance to watch some games?
1: Yeah, I've been primarily watching my Islanders, um, just because. It's either, you know, up here, there's very limited options. You have Devils, Islanders, Rangers, and Sabres. Um, so I was watch. I watched all, all three of the Islanders games, and they were all three totally different games. <laughs> okay. uh, how how they were, I mean, the first game of the season, the Islanders went out and just drubbed the Rangers. Yeah. Then the second game, Ilya Sorokin got his first, he made his NHL debut. And I, I they said it wasn't, but it I, I when I saw it, it was. He gave up the first shot and goal, he gave up a goal. And mm. he had a rough night. And again, his defense really didn't help him out. His offense the players weren't skating. So the Islanders end up losing five nothing. So they win four nothing the first night, lose five nothing the next night. Then they go and play Boston, which was a it was a great game. Uh one nothing on basically a deflected shot by JG Pajo, uh, past Rask that gave the Islanders the win. And, uh, it was awesome. But it, Simeon Varlamov is the hottest goalie right now. He's played two games, hasn't let up a goal, two shutouts to start off the season. Hmm. I mean, he's a hot goalie right now. And that's what the Islanders need. And, uh, I know the Devils won the other
2: night, Ryan. Yep. Yep. They, they lost their first game against, against Boston. Uh, they wound up winning their second game in overtime uh, to Bo- against Boston. And last night they beat the Rangers. So good start to the season. They they're two Oh and one They're right now. They are sitting uh, in a, in third place all alone in the East Con- in the Eastern division. Uh, right. There's, just, just right below Philadelphia and, and Washington. So you know, it's five points out of the first six games and they took three out of four from Boston. Uh, I'm happy. I'm super happy about that. And uh, you know, the guys, you know, a couple of players in particular are playing. <clears throat> excuse me, they're playing really, really, they're playing really well. Michaels, Miles uh, Miles Wood has three goals and 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 in, in three games. Jack Hughes has five points. already five points. I mean, he's he's already he, he's he's on his way to score. Probably between fifty and sixty points, which is a, a lot better than his twenty-one from last season. And uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, Albany Doubles' his own Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, he's playing out of his mind right now in goal in the between the pipes. Uh, so our teams are actually playing tomorrow night, Corey. I don't know. They're playing the next you know two that. games against each other. Yeah, the home and home. Uh, one tomorrow night on Thursday. They'll be at Long Island, and then uh, they have another home game. The Devils have their home game. Uh, I believe Saturday or Sunday uh they'll be playing each other. So again, so I'm I mean right now there are four teams in the NHL that are currently on their way to 56 and 0. Can you guess those teams? Without even looking I can't. You can't? <laughs> I can't. Okay, so the four teams that are on their way to 56 and 0 are Tampa Bay, Vegas. Actually, there's three teams. Excuse me. I'm sorry. There's three teams on their way to 56 and 0. So it's Vegas, Tampa. We kind of knew that. And Florida, hmm. the Florida Panthers are 2 and 0, and they have a goal differential of four. So they're uh, so 10 10 goals for, six goals against. Um, Dallas hasn't even played a game yet because they their their season got postponed uh, due to COVID due to uh, COVID concerns. I know, I know, uh, uh, Carolina, uh, they have, they, they've postponed their games until, until, until Saturday, uh, because of positive COVID concerns. So, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, five players on the, on the, on the COVID-19 list. I know Josh, uh, was it Josh Bailey from the Islanders? He, uh, he went up on the COVID list today. So, you know, obviously COVID was going to be a concern it, it, Thankfully, nobody's gotten super severe, super severely sick uh, due to COVID. But you know, I, I'm I'm pleased with the way the season started so far, especially for my Devils. Uh, you know they beat like I said, they beat Boston. <laughs> I mean, Boston was going to change the entire landscape of the East East Division as soon as they got moved over to the East from realignment. Um, the Canadian Division has been really interesting so far, uh, in that in that Toronto's in first place. Three and one after four games, Montreal's in second. Calgary's in third. They're both at five points each, and Winnipeg's in fourth place right now with four. Uh, there's only there are only three teams without a win. Uh, that'll be the Kings, the Blackhawks, and the Stars. And again, the Stars haven't played a game, haven't played a single game yet. I believe they're set to play their first game either tonight, which is Wednesday, or. Friday, actually, Friday is their first game. So, you know, I, I don't know, Corey. What's your what's your impressions of? I mean, what do you what do you figure for the Islanders going forward? I mean, I got I, I got I wasn't gonna be. I was getting ready for an interview last this past Monday. I was on a I was on a radio show. uh, a Long Island based radio show called, uh, Down to the Wire. And some of my prep questions were, do you think there'll be any early season trades if, you, if there's trades of, of bigger name players or they'll wait to the deadline? So I don't know for your Islanders, if they're missing a piece, do they, or if my devils are, are missing a piece of a puzzle to go on a playoff run, do you think they pull the tra- trigger earlier than later? Uh, because keep in mind the, the trade deadlines in, in mid April, I, I think it's the 16th.
1: Yeah, I think for the Islanders, really that that team, they got to get their legs under them. The first game, they were they were really skating, they were going after, they were they were forechecking, they were really playing their complete game. Second game, they they didn't, and they were really exposed. And the third game, they were back to their game. They were playing a tough uh, Boston team, but I think what it really came down to the the Ilya Sorokin. It has been such like they were saying on the broadcast. He's the best goalie in the world, not in the NHL, mm-hmm. and he got his chance to play. And again, it was a, it was an emergency situation. Varlamov got hurt in the warm ups, and yeah. Sorokin goes out there, and and I mean some of those shot a couple of them were, you know, they were they he should have had them. Some they were more difficult, but for the Islanders, I I think you know you have Corey Snyder as your third goalie, and you have Sorokin as your number two. But here's the thing. If Sorokin goes out there and he's going to have to play, he's going to play if, – if if there's a 56-game schedule, you figure Varlamov's probably going to play 40 of those. He'll play 16. 16 games matter. That's 32 points you're at, you have out there. So if the Islanders – if he starts playing and he's not playing well and Sorokin's not doing well, I, I almost want to say you have to go out and look for another goaltender, another a solid number two. Remember last year the Islanders had Grice. Grice is a solid number two. You could play Varlama for Grice any night, and you're going to get the same, basically the same goaltending. Now, there's definitely a significant drop off. So, for the Islanders, I think down this, you know, when it goes down that stretch, you're going to have to look at getting another goalie if Sorokin can't handle the backup duties.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if, I mean, right now the doubles are, I mean, the Eastern the East Division in general, it's the toughest division in the NHL. Uh, you got Philly, you got Washington, they're always going to be in the hunt. Boston's in the division. Pittsburgh's always going to kind of be there. Uh, the three, the three New York Metro teams: uh, the Islanders, the Devils, and the and the Rangers. They're going to be in it. Although, I, although I kind of see, a, I don't know, with the Rangers, I'm not sure if they have the defense to to go on a run. I mean, they're going to score goals, but they're going to have a hard time preventing them. As was evidence last night against the Devils. Uh, Buffalo's a decent team. Uh, they whooped up on Philly la- the, other, the other night. I was watching that game, and they wound up going up five nothing before they uh, before the Flyers pulled their goaltender and put sub put, you know, put in. Uh, they, they pulled. Uh, they pulled. Um, what's his face? Hart. And uh, you know, the East is going to be a tough division, approximately because of all the proximity of all the all the teams I and mean, the farthest South you got to go this year is Washington. The farthest West you got to go is Buffalo. <laughs> so the, the travel schedule is easy in that regard, but yeah, depth, depth is going to be huge, especially because I will, I believe I looked at the schedules and April 16th, you have 10 more games after, after the trade deadline. To get chemistry right, so if you get yourself some depth scoring, or you get yourself a goaltender that it, it could, that could catch fire, that could catch fire, it's going to take them ten, ga- 10 games to get settled. So you know, you, you, if you get the right piece at the right time, I think you might have to pull a, do a trade earlier, especially if there's certain teams with certain pieces you could put together. Uh, they'll that if they if they're out early, might be looking for, uh, they might be looking for someone to pick up a contract. And play some of their prospects, uh, uh, their prospects or somebody in the minors who can uh, fill in a spot. But yeah, I, I mean, like you said, Corey, uh, with your Islanders, it could be somebody who could, you know, add some goaltending because of, of Sorokin's, Sorokin's uh, inexperience. I mean, for my doubles, they could pick up a, another defenseman, uh, they could pick up uh, another, some more depth scoring, even though right now they're scoring goals in bunches. All right, so we're going to move on to. Major League Baseball. There's a couple of stories in Major League Baseball. Uh, first thing, first story we're going to get to is uh, recent M- Major League Baseball signings. Now, uh, my New York Yankee, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan, so I Yankees uh, re-signed DJ LeMahieu at a bargain price of six years, $90 million. They also signed former Cy Young winner Corey, uh, 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 yeah, Kluber, uh, Corey Kluber to a one-year, $11 million deal. This afternoon, or the last couple days, actually, uh, former Houston Astro George Springer signed a six-year, $150 million contract with the Blue Jays. Now, this makes the AL East very, very interesting for next year. It gives you at least three teams uh, that could contend for that number one and number two spot in that division. But, Corey, you've got some... You've got some interesting points of view about the George Springer Springer signing. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, the thing, there was really what it came down to in the end was pretty much two teams. It was the Mets and it was the Blue Jays. And, you know, Springer had said he wanted to stay close to home and obviously Connecticut, New York, you know, very close to proximity. And then the, the, this, the Mets just were like, they, were, they weren't they were really, I don't think they were pursuing him as aggressively as I think people thought they were. And, you know, Steve Cohen is a business guy and he's going to th- make business decisions that are in the best interest of the organization. Would signing George Springer make the Mets any better? And from my point of view, if you look at what they already have there in Brandon Nimmo, I don't think George Springer is that significant of an upgrade. Now, people will say, oh, you're crazy. He's such a better player. George Springer's best year or best years were supposedly during the cheating scandal. Mm -hmm. So you look at 2019, he had 35 home runs that drove in, like, I think, 92 RBIs. So are those legit stats? Because last year he didn't have a great year. Um, he did a 14 home runs a limited amount of time, but he didn't have, you know, his on base, Brandon Nimmo has a better on base percentage, things like that. Now, if you're the Mets, are you going to pay a guy $25 million a year when you just have Brandon Nimmo who's moving, you know, he's going in the right direction. If Brandon Nimmo plays a full season for the Mets, He could put down a stat line of 20 to 25 home runs, 70 to 80 RBIs, and he's probably going to hit 280, and his on-base percentage is going to be over 400. Most major league teams teams are going to take that, and guess what? You didn't fork out $25 million a year. Now the Mets are in position now, hey, you know what? We didn't need to reach for Springer. We didn't need to go out and game. We didn't really need to fill that void because we already have somebody. Now the money is still there for somebody like a Trevor Bauer or another free agent, or to re-sign Lindor, or to maybe go out and trade for somebody like an Owen, a Nolan Arenado, and then bring him over and then sign him. They it was a good business decision on the Mets for the for the Blue Jays. Yes, you need some leaders in that young locker room, so I think it was a great decision by them. But it was a great decision by the Mets, so I think it works out for both teams.
2: Okay, now that's my that's my next question. Do you see? Do you take a deal like Springer had with twenty five million dollars? Are you going to use that money you would have signed you you would have brought in to sign him and extend a Francisco Lindor, provided he does well uh, in this in in during this year, this, during the season, because he's going to come in at least 30 million. Yeah. And I mean, that's where the business decision came
1: in. The Mets are always going to be forward. They're going to be looking towards the future. What Steve Cohen said is he wants to build this team, not to win now, but to win years to come. And if you go out and, and, and you spend money on, on a Springer, and like I said before, the, his best season came during the, the season in which they were, you know, the cheating thing. So mm. you, you're not sold on him. You shouldn't be sold on him. Is he a 35-home run hitter? No, he's not. He's probably a 20-home run guy, okay? So for them not to sign him, I think it was a good thing because now you can look down the road. Like I said, Lindor, can we sign Lindor? I wouldn't be shocked if the Mets tried to make a move on a player like an Arenado and said, hey, you know what? Maybe we bring this guy in and we can sign him. You know anybody? You know that that you don't know what the Mets were thinking right now, but you know that they're thinking towards the future. And I, Trevor Bauer, still out there. He's still the best free agent out there. The Mets, the Mets need more pitching. You know now they have yeah. a chance.
2: Yes and no, because you, you've already got a four. I mean, if you need a fifth, a fifth starter, then yeah, absolutely sign Trevor Bauer. But you've already got four capable, capable pitchers. You got Syndergaard coming back from from Tommy John. You got Degrom. Um, potential Cy Young award winner. You got yourself uh, Marcus Stroman uh, who re-signed with the with the Mets and you got Carlos Carrasco now who has some play- who also has some playoff experience. So, I mean, you could bring in Trevor Bauer on uh, like I a mean, one or two year waiver, but I mean, what kind of I mean, are there any pitching prospects in the Mets have that are, are, that potentially could make their way up to the major leagues this year? There is, but at the same time for the Mets
1: Signing Bauer would be big because Cindergard hasn't been consistent throughout his career. You know, ever since the 2015 2016, he just hasn't been the same guy. I mean, he is when he's on, he's dominant. But Cindergard's a number three. He's a number three or a number four in a rotation. He's not a number two. He's definitely not a number one. Uh, you you look at somebody like Strowman. Strowman for the Mets last year was the same way. He was very inconsistent. He's been inconsistent his whole career. If anything, he's gone down in his career. And I hope he hasn't hit his peak, but the Mets need a solid number, number two. You know, they do. They need a solid number two. And I'll tell you what, if they would get Trevor Bauer, it wouldn't be a number two. It'd be a one A and a one B. That's what it would be. It'd be two aces on the staff. And then if you're the Mets, you're saying, okay, we have a really good lineup right now. We have two of the best pitchers in baseball. And, oh, by the way, our bullpen's gotten a whole lot better recently, too. So the Mets are starting to shape up. I think they need to go after Bauer.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. Now, going going back to the Yankees, Um who re-signed with the, – there's going to be – there's a the, the contract negotiation was between him and the Yankees was, was very – was tenuous because uh, it was rumored that he could have gone to the Mets. He could have gone to the Blue Jays. Uh, he could have stayed with the Yankees or he could have gone to the, the Red Sox. Uh, those, those teams weren't willing to offer what he wanted. He wanted – I believe he won more years and more money. Uh, I think he won seven years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and he wanted, I think, twenty mil. The Yankees went up signing him for six years and ninety million. That's fifteen million dollars a year. So they're getting him at a bargain. Now, granted, he's, I believe, he's 31 years old. Uh, so he, you know, but but he's he's he was a batting champion last year in a shortened season. Uh, he, you know, he, he was he was batting champion the year before too in 2019. So the Yankees got the, you know, they still have a consistent hair. They've got the best hitting lineup in baseball, arguably. <laughs> I say that arguably because there's other lineups out there, but they arguably have the best hitting lineup in baseball. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to the, swing. They're going to swing. They're going to swing, swing anything that comes toward them. Uh, but they got the best. And they're basically the best contact hitter in all of baseball with DJ De Mayhew. Now they bring in Corey Kluber, former two two-time Cy Young Award winner, on uh, basically a one-year, eleven million dollar flyer. Now he's going to be part of a five five, possibly six-man rotation uh, for the Yankees, and it, it, could he be the difference between uh, an ALDS appearance and an, a World Series, possibly? You know, we'll see how that pans out in spring training. But you know, I mean, do you think Corey, if if Lemay who didn't re-sign with the Yankees, he could have gone to the Mets?
1: I mean, it, he would have fit well with the Mets. I mean, if, if 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 you sign him, then you know he goes to second. Then you have Neil. You can move the third, and then you have probably one of the best hitting baseball, uh, best hitting uh, infields in baseball. Um, but if you know. Obviously, you know LeMehu's You know the agents are going to talk. People are going to say, "Oh, there's interest from other teams." I, I don't know how much interest the Mets actually had in him. I mean, I'm sure you're gonna you're always going to have interest in anybody. You're always going to try to you know peak in, you know get gain the interest. Uh, Think about okay, we can sign this guy and make our team better. But at the same time, I don't know how much interest they really had in him. I didn't hear a lot of talk about them. I think a lot of it might have been noise from the Lemayhew camp just trying to get this done. But
2: mm-hmm. it
1: was it was one of those things where you thought the Yankees were going to get this done pretty quickly, and the fact that it dragged out, uh, I, I thought was pretty shocking.
2: Yeah, I mean, could have been it could have been the talk from the Mayhu camp. I mean, I mean that those kind of rumors especially in the New York city media that just eats that stuff up. <laughs> it could, it's back page material for sure. Uh, yeah. That could, that could have added to the drama, but I'm, I'm happy that DJ's back on the team. He was damn near MVP candidate the last two years. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the running this year, if, especially if he has another, another great year at the bat and also at second base, uh, he's a pretty decent field there too. So, you know, I got the, like I said, he's what part of the, one of the best hitting lineups in baseball. And, you know, it's, it's World Series or bus this year again for the Yankees. Uh, don't be surprised if he over overachieves again uh, in next year. Now we're going to come up to another topic in, in major league baseball. And it has to do with the Mets. You know, you, f- you figure what uncle Stevie uh, getting his becoming the owner, the Mets making some big trades. They resigning resigning. They're, they're they're signing guys. And all of a sudden, this comes up uh, with the uh, with their now former GM. Uh, help me on the name. <laughs> Jared Porter. Jared Porter. Thank you. Their former GM, Gerald Porter, having a very bad day. <laughs> um, Corey, can you give us – try to give us the seedy details if you can.
1: <laughs> so – Make a long story short, uh, I, when he was with the Cubs organization as the director of pro scouting, he came across a, I guess, a foreign reporter, and uh, kind of took a liking to her. Uh, sent sent some I think he sent about sixty text messages to her, some lewd photos, um, of of his uh, his manhood, and uh, nobody nobody apparently she didn't want it to get out. Uh, because she didn't, she didn't want to be embarrassed or, or anything like that. And then uh, she, the ESPN had the story. And then when he became the GM of the Mets, they decided to break the story just because she didn't want other uh, people to possibly go through the same thing that she did. Uh, so I mean, you really can't fault the Mets in this because they didn't know. It's not like they knew and then they were like, yeah, we knew about this, but okay, we're still going to hire him. As far as we know, the Mets didn't know. As far as we know, the Cubs didn't know. And the Diamondbacks didn't know either the two teams he was working for previously. Uh, So what I like about this decision is that Steve Cohen had zero tolerance and he said it all along. I have zero tolerance. He said on Twitter, he said it in a press conference. He, He didn't mix words. He fired him. He said, this isn't, what we want this organization to be done next man up. I completely 100% agree with him. It's in especially not only because it's something that happened in a very sensitive time in this era, but it's just overall a creepy thing to do. You don't want some creepy guy, you know, you know, here, here, just here's an example. Okay. Let's say the Mets are having a function and he likes one of the players, you know, wives or girlfriends or something and decides, hey, I'm going to be creepy like I was with this reporter. And he does something to, you know, sends a picture to a player's wife or somebody within, you know, you know what I'm saying? How much dissension would that cause within an organization? That would blow up in an organization pretty bad. So you don't want that around your organization at all. And kudos and props to Steve Cohen for handling it as well as he did, and just cutting his you know losses and saying let's move on. So,
2: yeah, it's uh, I'm just skimming over the story right now that was broken on ESPN uh, by Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan. Ugh, gross. (laughs) That's all I'm gonna say is gross. So he they met. I guess they met casually. They started texting casually, uh, or he started texting her casually. She ignored more than 60 messages before he sent the, the photo. So August 11th, 2016, a day after meeting her to meet him at a hotel in Los Angeles, he sent the woman six, 17 pictures. Now, this woman is, is no longer in journalism. Uh, she's in finance uh, in her home country. They didn't say specify which country she was from. Um, but yeah, so he sent... 17 pictures. The first 15 pictures were of the hotel and his restaurants. Okay. That's uh, a lot of text. That's a lot of photos. 16th was the same as an earlier photo of the bulge in the pants. Okay. The 17th was his bare manhood. Uh, phallus. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you don't, guys, Save, save, the, save those kind of things for you, like when you're married. I mean, Corey, you're a married no, man. No, 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 You <laughs> don't even do it when you're married. You don't even do it. I asked my
1: wife about that, and she said absolutely not.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So some women don't like that. Okay. A lot of women don't like that, including married ones. But still, I mean, you just don't do this. This is just really bad behavior. It's just terrible behavior. You know, you know what's funny is uh, I was
1: listening to uh, Roberts and Carton on uh, WFAN, and they were talking about like who wants to see that, like the 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 male anatomy is is a gross thing to women, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that nobody wants to see that. So like, you know, it, it's a lesson that I, you know, eventually, you know, and my son, we've had the talk before, but mm-hmm. we have to have another talk eventually. And like, listen. Yeah. You have your cell phone, man. This is not what you want to do.
2: No. No, you don't want this stuff.
1: You don't want something like this happening. But but you know even the point Ryan is it came up 5 years later. So it doesn't matter if you do it, you know, it, it, things the internet things stay there forever. And the internet all, is forever, yes. And they can come back to haunt you. And you know, so that's where like you just be smart. But yeah, at the same time, don't be a creep. You know, don't be creepy. Just
2: creepy. Ugh. I'm going to go take a shower now. Jeez. <laughs> Must get clean. Must get clean. So that's why you're doing five years worth of photos before this, before we start recording. Oh, gosh. All right. So we're going to move on from from creepy to pop culture. to Something that's not so creepy. Now, no, Harry and I. Sorry. what was that? No, it was creepy. Yeah, it's super creepy. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about the pop culture. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) we're we're creeping in on pop culture, (laughs) the pop culture segment. Uh, Corey and I, we are children of the 80s. uh, And, of course, Bill and Ted, Excellent Adventure, came out in 1989. I remember going to see that movie in the movie theater with my brothers and my dad. It was a guy's weekend, so we all went to see that movie together. And few years later, came out, came out the, came the sequel, which was uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where they literally go to hell and they beat death and they come back to play a concert and change the world, change the universe. So now 25 years later, after with, with a lot of popular demand, they released a third movie called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Now, uh, Corey got it uh, a few weeks ago. He watched it. I haven't had I hadn't had a chance to watch it. And last night after after uh, uh, after after uh, um, editing an episode of 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 a special I did with uh, no credentials re- for no credentials required, I, uh, I finally sat down and I watched Bill and Ted face the music. So I'm going to have you give your impressions of it first, Corey. What did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? What were your impressions of it?
1: So I just looked up. Right above my desk, I have two Funkos, Funko Pops, Bill and Ted. I'm a big Excellent. Bill and Ted fan. I've been my whole life. Um, and actually, I'm a I, I like Bogus Journey better than the original. I'm not yeah, not it's little the next
2: underrated of the three. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: It, yeah. Uh, so when I when I when it started, I had high hopes for it. The beginning, and, and we're going to release some spoilers. Missy marrying Deacon, I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like, oh god. Because people forget that. You have to see the other ones to understand the Easter eggs and the references. Yes, so absolutely. I, I I thought that was funny. Um, I thought death was also funny. That guy yes. in both – he made Bogus Journey and he made – William Journey. Sadler, yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he He's great. I believe William Sadler was also – he was in Shawshank Redemption too, right? He was the one
2: uh, – um, convict. Um, um, checking his – Checking his profile right I believe, now. I believe he was. Yes, he was Haywood in Sean Connery yeah, Redemption, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I was watching. He's a lot. also in Die Hard too. Yeah,
1: yeah. See, he 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 is hilarious. I mean, and so from those that those two point of views, I thought it was. I thought I was like, wow. I I those two things, in the movie were great. Uh what I didn't like, uh, primarily, there was. Well, two or three things. The premise of the whole movie that they don't reunite the universe or, or save the universe, it's their kids. I didn't like that. I was kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. The other thing I didn't like is the, are the two girls who played the daughters. Now, i it's not that I don't like them. Samara Weaving, who plays Bill's daughter, is known... Yeah. 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 She is known for the babysitter movies. I don't know if you've seen the babysitter horror movies on Netflix. So they're great. It's basically make a long story short. She's a babysitter and she's in this sadistic call and she tries to kill the kid that she's babysitting. It's kind of like one of those, like, horror comedy type movies and she's great in it. I love her in those two movies. I did not like her in this just because of those two movies. The other girl who played uh, Ted's daughter, I did not like at all. I thought she really pushed that character and just did not – it was not easy for her. The other thing I didn't like was Rufus's wife. This whole idea that Rufus had a wife and a daughter and that his wife is some kind of like – like leader and she's like oh like go kill bill and ted because we have to that that does not fit the plot line of the other two movies at all that does not fit in rufus was not rufus was the chillest dude in the world he would have never said that they never would have done that and that's my biggest problem was that that plot line um that it was like, oh, well, we got to kill them because really, if it wasn't, if they don't save it, then by killing them, we saved the universe. No, that was so corny
2: and stupid. I did not like it. Okay. Well, I'm going to be on the flip side. I enjoyed the movie. And yeah, there were, I mean, part of it was the callbacks to the original two movies. Uh, the Hologram, George Carlin. Unfortunately, he left us too, way too soon. We had to put a hologram in there. So pretty cool special effects there. And they have the callback to death in uh and, and from Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I, I I thought I mean I mean there was something kind of I mean I would say kind of pure about the the daughters. Like they were innocent, they were just really Yeah, you know, they were trying to help they're trying to help their dads. yeah you know, they they realized oh, they did travel through time. Oh, okay. They did go back to these these places. While Bill and Ted are going. Up to the future, they're going two years ahead. They're going five years ahead. Then they go like what, forty years ahead? Mm-hmm. And their and their daughters are going thousands of years back to the first to the first well known drummer. They're going to get Jimi Hendrix. They're going to get Louis Armstrong. They're going to get Mozart. Uh, I, I I mean th- those were the kind of that, I thought that was kind of kind of funny. It was just seeing them seeing. That kind of thing in, you know, seeing Bill and Ted going forward while the girls going back trying to help their dads. Uh, obviously, Death by William Sadler. He made the he made bogus journey, made an appearance in this movie. He was excellent as always. Um, I enjoy. <laughs> you I don't know what your opinion about this is, is Corey, but I, I thought who the the thing that made the movie the most was Dennis the robot. I, I I he was hysterical.
1: Who played him? Who was the kid? Who was the actor? Was it the kid who was in Pitch Perfect? I was, it was
2: Anthony, Anthony Kerrigan. Uh he I recognize him from Gotham. He was in Gotham. He was Victor Zaz. Okay. But I thought it was uh one of the guys from uh, um that one uh Comedy Central uh sketch show. What was it um it was it was based in, in corporate America, but I can't remember. And they were they were customer service. I can't remember the name of the of the of the uh, of the of the show. Uh, but yeah, he was he was uh, he was he was also in Barry, uh, and he was in the Blacklist. He was a, he played a character, but but yeah, he was in he was in Gotham. He was he was Victor's ass. I thought he was hysterical because he you know and, and they get to the get to where he sends the daughters and Mozart and Jimi Hendrix and all the other people that they had gotten send them to literal, sent them to hell and travels back to the travels up to the future to 40 years, 40, 45 years and meets Bill and Ted and says, Oh, I, I accidentally killed him. He, you, you figure he's a total badass in the beginning, but then you realize, Oh wait, he kind of has a heart. He's sent, he's like, I messed up. I met, I, I murdered your, your daughter. So like, what? So, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought I, I, I liked the movie. I, it was entertaining. I mean, it was short; it was only an hour and thirty minutes. But it was a, it was a, you didn't realize it was an hour and thirty minutes. It went quick. I, I thought there could have been a little bit more uh, to the depth of the daughters, like their backstory, a little bit. Yes, yeah, like yeah, they were raised basically, basically raised on music, literally based on raised on music. They knew every single genre, every single you know, style of music. I wish, I wish there could have been a backstory on that.
1: You know, the other thing, you know, the other thing I didn't really understand was the wives really weren't involved that much in the movie. They had them. They're like, Oh, they're going to leave them. Well, are they leaving them because they haven't written a song or they, they haven't gotten job. I mean, there's really, they have this, like the, they're, like the wives are kind of there, but they don't really explain anything about what's going on with them.
2: Right. And and i, I kind of confused I, about that. I, I, at the beginning, I I thought it was comical slash weird that Missy marries uh, Deacon. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I really did. <laughs> like, wait, it's like a deacon? Are you
1: serious? Well, oh well you, do you remember who she marries at the end of Bogus Journey?
2: Yeah, no, she well, she married Ted's dad. No, she married Chuck Denomalous. That's right. She wanted Chuck Denomalous. That's right oh my gosh yeah. and now she's and now she's married to Deacon this is it's just very very strange but creepy. like Jared Porter creepy yeah like almost like yes <laughs> hope she didn't send him pictures of her anatomy all right so that's gonna do it for this episode of no credentials required uh, please check out our socials we're on Twitter at bellyup NCR we're on Facebook at bellyup. Look for us, uh, Facebook.com/slash forward BellyUpSportsNCR. Uh, you can take a listen to if if you got the chance to listen. I, I was on I was on uh, I was on Down to the Wire, which is uh, one of we have a radio partner, Worldwide Sports Radio. Like I said, they're, big, they're based out of Long Island. Uh, they got a lot of shows that are on uh, TuneIn. They also have some podcasts. They do a lot of live stuff. Uh, we have a partnership with them, so we're we'll adding uh, different podcasts. And shows to the network, hopefully you'll be able to hear no credentials required soon on that, uh, on the same station. Uh, but I was on a show called Down to the Wire. I was there for about a good 25 minutes talking, talking different sports topics like NHL and the Jets and baseball. So uh, I, I actually posted that interview uh, today. I made it part of a, spe- I made basically a special, and I'm hoping on Friday we can release one more episode. It's going to be a surprise. I'm not going to spoil it for you. So um, you'll have to you'll have to you'll have to listen to the details. So uh, go on bellyupsports.com. Check out our other podcasts. We're actually adding more and more podcasts uh, by the day. <laughs> We've just added a couple more podcasts. We're going to keep going. We're just going to keep going and add more podcasts. Going to have a much con- we release as much content as possible. As I said, mentioned before in the last show. 2021 is going to be a big year for us in terms of sports coverage and podcast and, and, and media and material. Uh, you're, I think you're going to love it. Uh, we're also adding more sponsors by the day. So hopefully we'll have a, our own sponsor. Maybe it'll be Duck Donuts, Corey.
1: Duck, yeah, we should go hit him
2: up. Let's go.
1: They're going to give give us maple and bacon donuts. That's what they're going to give us.
2: Let's go. Let's go. Let's get some maple bacon donuts. (laughs) All right, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of No Credentials Required. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the media booth. Be excellent to each other. And be excellent to each other. intro and outro music is on the verge by joseph mcdade check out his music and support him on patreon at patreon.com forward slash joseph mcdade thank you for listening to no credentials required powered by belly up sports and a part of the belly up sports podcast network for more articles and podcasts visit bellyupsports.com